networking is something that we do. Event. I'm going to this thing to do this thing. And I hate the word because it has the word work in it. And who wants to do something that has the word work in it? I think another mistake is that we network for need and right. we network for now. Mm-hmm. And what we really should be doing is thinking about networking for life and building relationships because we want to and because we get to rather than because we are want something, you right. know, or we need something. Hey, welcome back to Stop Killing Deals. On today's episode, we will be talking about human connection. And with me on the show today is Michelle Tillis Lederman, who's a speaker, trainer, coach, and author of four books, including The Global Success, 11 Laws of Likeability, and her new book, The Connector's Advantage. She was named by Forbes as one of the 25 professional networking experts to watch. She's a former NYU professor, financial executive, and recovering CPA. She now works with teams and individuals all around the globe to help them build real relationships for greater results through her own company, Executive Essentials. So hi, Michelle. Welcome to Stop Killing Deals. Thanks for having me on. So we're going to talk about human connection. Uh, What is it? How do we create it? What do we do wrong when we try to do that? And some other stuff. So first off, maybe we can start off by just trying to define what is human connection? What do we mean by that? What do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) I talk about um, the mindset of a connector. So, you know, it's kind of like trust. You know it when you have it and you know it when you don't. And connection is that feeling that you have in uh, how you view somebody else, their comfort level with them, your trust with them, the types of things that you will talk about or reach out about. So again, there's not a a, a hard and fast definition, but you know it when you have it. And right. you know it when it's potential to have it. And that's really where connection forms. And how would you say, where, we do, where do we go wrong? What's the sort of number one mistake uh, when uh, we, we don't create a connection with another person? Is there such a you know, you can't create connection with everybody. And and yeah. maybe, you know, I, don't, I never think in extremes of number one mistake, but, you know, maybe one of the mistakes that we do make is believing or trying to force a connection when it might not be there about rushing connection and not giving it time to build in its own, uh, you know, evolution, because our connection will be different for every person that we're interacting with. So sometimes, you know, you and I got on the phone and it was click, click, click. Right. Mm -hmm. But with somebody else, it might be a little bit slower and just need time to to marinate, so to speak. (laughs) You know, I I think rushing connection is probably one. Rushing and forcing is kind of, you know, one type of mistake. And I think another type of mistake is um, when we seek connection. Uh-huh. And sometimes we only think about it when we're looking for something, when we're trying to accomplish something. Right. And connection should be the front of our minds. So I talk about being a connector mm-hmm. and a connector is something that you are at all times, not when you're like, Oh, I'm in business mode or, Oh, I'm in networking mode. Okay. Right. Whatever you are, wherever you are, you're thinking about connection. I mean, I've been on a subway in New York city sitting across from a guy. And as I got off the subway, I just turned to him and I said, you have a, you know, you have really nice eyes. And I wasn't trying to flirt with him. I was just trying to make somebody's day because I noticed and mm-hmm. sometimes when you notice something, it's nice to share. And then he beams with this big smile. I'm like, and a great smile too. You should do that more. And I'm like, have a great day. And I got off the subway. 
And I can guarantee you that guy was smiling for a good, you know, <laughs> long time after, yeah. after I said that. And so it's those little moments of connection and for no reason, but maybe just to make somebody else feel good. Yeah, that is interesting. And I'm, guess, I'm guessing maybe people are afraid for how that will be perceived. Like, okay, maybe this person will think I'm flirting with them. That's not what I want to <laughs> that person to think. Or... It was safe that I was getting off the subway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So you know, you mentioned networking, and now we're in COVID times, and we're, we're not being networking as much as we might have in, in the past. But um, I think when, when we think about connecting uh, in the business context, a lot of people can think about networking and have some fears about networking. How, how would you sort of throw networking into the mix? What, what is the difference between networking and connecting and how do they two come together? You know, when I wrote my first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability, um, I was forced by the publisher to put the word networking in the title. Okay. So this, and, and I'm like, it's not just about networking. It's like, well, what is it about? I'm like, relationships. I'm like, okay, we'll call it relationship networking. And, and you know, so networking is something that we do, yeah. right? It is something that we are usually very cognizant of, of I'm going out into this event. I'm going to this mm -hmm. thing to do this thing. And I hate the word because it has the word work in it. And who wants to do something that has the word work in it? <laughs> yeah. So the follow-up to that book is called The Connector's Advantage. And it is really a shift from what we do to who we are. And a connector prioritizes relationships in everything that they do. As I said, you're always connecting. It could be on the playground. It could be at your religious organization. It could be when you're volunteering. It could be at the supermarket. Yeah. I've met people on the line at the bathroom mm -hmm. because there's always a line at the ladies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And so it's really just thinking about um, connection and relationships at all times. And, yeah. and that's the big yeah. difference. And, you know, back to your other question around mistakes. Yeah. I think another mistake is that we network for need right. and we network for now. Mm -hmm. And what we really should be doing is thinking about networking for life and building relationships because we want to and because we get to rather than because we are want something, right. you know, or we need something. So what would that mindset then um... What kind of thoughts should you have in your in your head then when you are networking or connecting? It should not be in need. Like, it's not that I want you to do something for me. Uh, so what is the right mindset to have to get a, become a better connector? So I talk about seven mindsets, and they're all relevant and important, but I'll, I'll list them off, and you can pick whichever ones you want to talk about. Sure. Um, but there's one that does come front of mind for the answer to that question. All right, I got to count them to make sure I get them all. Yeah. Connectors are open and accepting. They yeah. have a clear vision. They trust. They come from a place of abundance. They are social and curious. They are conscientious and they have a generous spirit. And I have to admit when you when you said what should they be thinking about, that last one, that generous spirit is is the one that came to front of mind. But all of them are relevant. So you tell me what you want to talk about. Yeah. Now, the one that springs out to me is, is uh, the uh, curiosity. I mean, being truly curious about the other person, I think, uh, in a business context, at least, is very, very important. Well, not really just in a business. Uh, I think in any... I'm way. glad you changed your mind on yeah, that. Yeah, I was yeah, it's always... I mean, that's how you, I think, if you show that you're curious and interested in another person, uh, I mean, that shows that you are indeed someone you, that can be trusted and... Uh, yeah, I think that's that one stands out. And and, and it's because we're talking to this 
podcast and webinar series has, a, has a, an audience of salespeople, I think the, the negative thing that can come to play is that need, right? You, you need to sell. So you're, mm. you're only, maybe you're only just networking and connecting to sell, which is, of course, something that will not work very well because you'll just be seen as someone who have uh, their best, their own best interests at heart and not your best interests at heart. We want to avoid those people. We can see right through it. Yeah. So when you said the mindset of being, the, and the mindset is being social and curious, right? So there's right. they go together. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear when I say social, I do not mean social butterfly. I don't mean life of the party. Right. This is not an extroverted uh, socialization, you know, visual that I want people to have in their mind. Yeah. It can be, but it does not have to be. So all I mean by social and curious is to be putting yourself in the position of being interested, curious, and socializing with one other person, the person who's in front of you, mm -hmm. because connection forms in the one-on-one. -on -one. But connection isn't about what we do. So I'm so glad that you kind of shifted when you said that. Yeah. You're like, hmm, you know, that's not sitting right. And, and you're right. It yeah. shouldn't have sat right because we don't connect over what we do for a living. We connect with what we do for fun. We connect over our common interests and our common values and our common passions and our common causes and our common experiences and our common people. Yeah. And so if we start to be curious about all of those things, so when we first chatted, I noticed the map behind your head. And so then we got a conversation about both of our teenage sons who are very close in age, both love maps, and yeah. it brought us some form of similarity and some form of, of association and that that gives us that that moment of click, click, click. Yeah, yeah. And then we see that you're more of a person than a person trying to get something from me. Yeah, and that's a good so point you made on because I think sometimes in this in the sales space, people make assumptions on how salespeople are or should be, and uh, and the salespeople themselves might believe, or if someone is entering the sales profession and they're an introvert, they think they're that's a negative thing and they won't be able to succeed. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It doesn't have to mean that you have to be an extrovert in order to create connections so, or be even to be a good networker. Oh my God, some of the best connectors I know are introverts because they have some innate advantages when it comes to networking. Yep. First of all, they are more comfortable and better in the one-on-one -on -one, and that's where real connection forms, mm -hmm. right? Extroverts have the advantage of putting people at ease, of um, you know, being able to talk to anybody and, you know, asking questions and they, they, sometimes they might, um, be too much, right? So yeah. we have to know where we're coming from and where our strengths lie and, and use them to our advantage. So the introvert is great at the one-on-one. -on -one. They're amazing listeners. That's a natural skill that mm. might be something the extroverts want to work on a little bit more. Extroverts <laughs> are better at talkers and questioners, but right. they're not as good as listeners. Yeah. So, um, the introverts might want to stretch themselves in thinking about not just asking the questions, but being willing to share information as well. And, and so it's really understanding where you need to kind of stretch yourself and, mm -hmm. and up. But that listening skill is, is great because you, you have that natural curiosity. You think before you speak and, and introverts don't tend to be as off-putting uh, as, as, and I'm an extrovert, so I'm picking on myself right now. Right. Um, <laughs> we can tend to come on a little bit strong sometimes. Uh -huh. And to understand that, you know, we might want to not overpower somebody. Yeah. To take that breath, mm -hmm. to to pull back a little bit, to give somebody else room in that in that exchange. 
And you talk about in the book, in the last book that I read, uh, your last book, uh, authenticity quite a bit. So I'm a bit curious how, because we're talking now that, that an extrovert needs to know um, his or her own strengths and when to sort of step back a bit and give the other person some room. Uh, what do you mean by authenticity? And how, how do we, when, do, when are we not authentic? Authentic. Uh, <laughs> When we're not is really a, a question for each individual, of course. right? There tends to be a, te you know, a reason that people feel uncomfortable and then they put on that mask, right? right. And so that's an individual question. Um, but so, you know, in, in the likability book, we talk about the law of authenticity and that being the foundation for um, what to do before, during, and after a conversation. Because I can't connect with you unless you're being real. Mm -hmm. The mindset around that is called being open and accepting. Yeah. And that's not just open and accepting of others, but open and accepting of yourself. So my definition for authenticity is the idea that we infuse into our interactions the attributes of ourselves that we value the most, right? Okay. So if, if there's something, a quality about you that you want people to get from you, you're infusing that into your interactions. So for me, I love my energy, right? People, yeah. like that's part of my personality. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit vibrating. Right. And so in everything I do, you're going to feel that energy from me. Yeah. And I know that sometimes it can be too much. And so when we talk about understanding authenticity, it's not about changing who you are. It's about understanding right. when it's working for you, and when it's working against you. Yeah. So the other part of my definition for authenticity is accepting and flexing your unique charms. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of my unique charms is that I can talk. Mm -hmm. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the flex is to temporarily, momentarily adjust your style to improve your connection and your interaction with somebody else. Right. So if I recognize that I might be talking to somebody who is a little bit more introverted, uh -huh. I might talk a little bit slower. Yeah. I might take a breath a little bit more frequently. I might bring my volume and my gesturing yeah. down a little bit. And I might also give some personal physical space if we are in person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's just toning yourself down, but not changing who you are. I'll never be accused of being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, really understanding yourself, but then also being flexible enough, I guess, to create that rapport with the other person. So you don't... Um, come across as, as too different, I guess. It's okay to be different, right? And, and you know, yes, we talk about the law of similarity, but what we also talk about is being an inclusive connector. Yeah. And in the last section of the connector's advantage, that whole section is about diversifying your connections because the diversification of your, your network, your relationships is hugely valuable to achieving that connector's advantage, which is faster, easier, better results. Right. right. Whatever it is you're working on, and maybe it is the sale, you're going to get there faster, easier, and better with connections. Yeah. But it also enables you to employ that spirit of generosity. So perhaps you're talking to somebody and, and they need a plumber. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with what you're selling. Yeah. But yeah. because you have a diversification of your connections, you might have a guy, you know, <laughs> and be yeah. able to make that connection. Yeah, yeah. So when we think about being an inclusive connector, we want to think about connecting with people who are different from us, who think differently, yep. who have different backgrounds, experiences, interests, because that broadens our view and it also broadens our ability to connect others. Yeah, that does make sense. 
And when you uh, when you start sort of thinking more thoroughly about connections and the value they can have in your life, how would you sort of? I'm a systems guy, so this is going to be a systems question. It's like how do you <laughs> how do you create sort of a a concept of not letting go? Because I think uh, a mistake that also can be made is that you you spend you don't spend enough time uh, nurturing those connections. Yes. Uh, and I think that can be quite uh, devastating and, and, and costly. And, and how do you, how would you recommend to sort of keep on track and keep your connections and relationships uh, mm -hmm. strong? I mean, and that's obviously where a system like Membrane can be very valuable. Um, and everybody has their own way of doing it, right? So yeah. if you have a CRM, um, you can put in your rules, your habits, what you want it to be. So for me, what I do is if I connect with somebody and we say, hey, let's retouch base in the summer, I will go forward in my calendar and I'll put your name there. And I'll write right then and there what we talked about, why we said we're following up, whatever it is. I literally just did that before we got on the call. Yeah. So here's a quick story. I was walking around my neighborhood uh -huh. and you know, right now everybody's sitting outside because you know you can't socialize inside. Yep. And I walked past a, a neighbor and 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 my and they had a dog and we're playing and the dog stole my apple. It's hysterical. We're laughing. <laughs> okay. And they mentioned something about my newsletter. So apparently they were people uh -huh. who got my newsletter. All right. And I was like, that's great. The next day, the guy who was on that lawn sent an email to his head of HR or training or something like that, making an introduction. Nice. No, I didn't ask for that introduction. He thought of it. He made it. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. And you know, so that's kind of how some things can happen. But now the connection that he made for me has not responded. Mm -hmm. So I sent one email, no response. I connected to him on LinkedIn. He did connect back to me, but did not take me up on, let's set up a call. Right. So what do I do? I updated the guy who made the intro, say, here's where we stand. And here's my plan. I will reach out in a few more weeks. So what I suggest people do is kind of have their own uh, timing structure. For me, it's I reach out once, yeah. maybe I wait a week or so, two weeks reach out again, and then I make it longer. Maybe wait four weeks, reach out one more time. Right. And then I leave it for usually, you know, three months, six months, something like that. And then I might be one more time say, you know what? I realized we, we never connected on this and I wanted to, you know, bring it back up to front of mind. Yeah. At that point, I can let it go. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean now that he's on my LinkedIn, I might do little other things like touches, like I might like a post or make a comment on one of his posts or, yep. you know, congratulate him on some new something that was on his profile. So there's little ways that you can stay in somebody's mind without getting in their face. Yeah, of course. And how do you think the this whole Zoom year has affected us? How hard, how much harder is it to create connections on Zoom? Um, you know, I think there's there's two components to it. You know, before when you said we're doing less networking during this COVID year, I, I'm not sure that's true. I actually think in a way we're doing more because so many people are creating these Zoom meetings and then they go into breakouts and then, you know, it makes it so much easier for some people because we're now in this conversation that we didn't have to break into. We're just put into it. Right. Um, and we're so face to face that we feel closer and more connected to people because we're spending that time staring at you, mm -hmm. which in person we might not be doing. Um, so I think there are some benefits to this environment because there's so many more opportunities. Yeah. The flip side of that is we don't have the opportunities to necessarily meet people um, more organically, right? So we're not right. at the conference and bumping into them at the coffee table and having those moments. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, 
it's it's much more difficult, especially in the sales world, for the cold connections. Right. Um, so we want to look for ways to warm it up. Mm-hmm. And we can do that by, you know, figuring out where, you know, who's putting these little happy hours together and how do we do those follow-ups and how can we make it a little bit warmer rather than the standard LinkedIn connection. And then I try to pretend I'm just asking you a question and being interested, but I'm really just giving you this template that everybody gives me 30 times a day, you know? Yeah, yeah we see that a lot, right? Yeah. And uh, the same kind of message that they got from a piece of software uh, that everyone else is using doesn't really make you stand out in, in the crowd. No. Personalization specifics that you know it has to be only you. Yeah. That makes the difference. Make that question instead of, you know, what are you up to this year, which you can say to anybody. You might say, well, how do you know Jeff Jones? Mm. I see that we're both connected. I went to camp with him, you know, <laughs> or yeah. I went to grammar school with him. And now you're talking about something that's really unique and personal. Which takes a bit of a time, right? So maybe it's a, a, a dose of laziness in there. <laughs> when, when we don't do that research, we just send out, you know, 400 in-mails. Uh, who, they were all automated. It was very easy to do, but that won't work, right? It becomes a numbers game. And what's yeah. interesting is, you know, historically for me on LinkedIn, which is my favorite platform, and I welcome anybody out there to connect to me and tell me where you heard me. Mm-hmm. and um, I'll get these, I'll get, you know, 20 requests a day. And yep. I I used to be really selective. And then I wow. said, you know what, I, I'm going to broaden it. And if they send me a, a note, I'll connect to them. But then I got these standard notes and it yep. was literally this template. And 95% of the time that I get a connection, I will send a response. I will actually type a response okay. to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I stopped doing that because I'm like, you know what? They won't know the difference. They don't care. They're not really trying to connect with me. So I started actually peeling back and and accepting less when it's so obvious that it's just prospecting. The good, the, the upside of that, I guess, is that it, when it, if that's what everyone is doing, it becomes easier to stand out if you actually do that little extra work that is needed to connect, right? You are so tr- you're so spot on because when somebody actually says, "I heard you on this," or um, you know. Y- I read this post, or if it's something that is like, here's why I'm connecting yeah. to you. And, and it could just be, um, it could be broad, but it, it, it might say something about, we both have this. Right. I will at least connect, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think in a, in a business pers- uh, context, it's not that difficult to, to figure out what that person in that role might need or want or be interested in. Uh, and with the connections you might share or your colleagues might share. I mean, you, you just have to do some homework and, and uh, be able to stand out and be relevant and interesting and curious, right? That's and the curiosity curious. that comes in again. <laughs> yeah, and I love the word curious. So working with this and sharing your, your expertise in your books and in your work, what have you found, what have you experienced in companies that they sort of have as, as maybe low hanging fruit. Like if you could, if you just do these three things, start doing these three things, uh, you'll get quite a bit uh, on the journey of making better connections. Um, You know, when you first said that, I thought to myself, one of the things I talk about is connected cultures and connected leaders, right? Right. And so I'm not, I'm not taking this from the sales perspective. I'm taking this solely from um, organizational 
challenges, right? So the m- most common challenges organizations face is going to be engagement, uh-huh. uh, turnover, retention yeah. of top talent, yeah. uh, productivity, right? So these are the things that we care about. Um, morale. Yeah. And there's only two things. Forget the three. There's only two things a leader needs to do to be a more connected leader. One is show your people you care about them as people. Yeah. And two, show your people you care about the things they care about. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not like, so here's an example. As a leader, we tend to give work to people who do that work well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we keep giving them that work. And then we wonder why they leave. Because we didn't stop to say, are you enjoying this work? Mm-hmm. What would you like as your next challenge? Right. right. Because being good at something doesn't mean we enjoy it. Yeah. And so we might say, no, I can't let you go apply for that job because I need you. That's not about them. That's not about what they need or what they want or caring about them as a person. So these are the little things that we think we're doing that are positive, but end up in this negative result. Mm -hmm. So if you have those two philosophies as a leader, you will create a more connected culture. You will up your retention, your loyalty, your productivity. 91% of people who are engaged at work try their hardest. Yeah. And the number one driver of engagement is the belief that management has an interest in your well-being. Right. It's not That's that so hard. No, well, it's not hard, but I, I do see it as a, a culture that it's the opposite of that. It's all about reaching the next quarter's numbers, and it, make, doing the, the right amount of activities. It's very metrics-driven, or it has become, I believe, quite metrics-driven and, and impersonal. Do, I think we need some different metrics. I, I I don't have a problem with measurement and metrics. I think uh-huh. we need I think we need different metrics sometimes, right? So right. those metrics that are sales that are obvious, right? But yeah. what about our metrics around employee engagement? What about our metrics around retention, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, what about our metrics on Glassdoor that says is this one of the best companies to work for? Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of different metrics that we could be looking at that mm-hmm. represent our values. And what you have to understand is metrics represent values. And if we are only measuring the bottom line, then our message is that's the only thing we value. Yeah. And uh, when you've done this work with companies, do you feel that their leaders are usually good at caring about their people or that they have a lot of work to improve how they do that? Um, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So why do you think that is then? Why are do do managers and leaders fear becoming too personal? Is that what it's about? Or why why it, are we not caring about their personal well-being? It is it really depends on the leader and the organization. Sure. Right. Yeah. So there's not one reason across the board. Sure. Um I've you know, I coach a lot and I have coached a lot of executives. And yeah. sometimes it's, well, I don't want to be nosy. I don't want them to feel I'm prying. Uh-huh. You know, and, and that tends to be a little bit more of an introverted left brain uh response. Right. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, if I've got a left brain cerebral leader, it's action, 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 result, result, do, do, do. And emotions have no place at work. So they have different philosophies. Um, another reason is what got you here won't get you there. Right. So that yeah. that I think it's a book by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, the idea that what got you to a leadership position was your ability to be excellent in your role. Yeah. But what will make you a great leader is not that at all. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't we don't realize that we have a really difficult mental shift in 
understanding that our output as a leader is not about our individual output, but it's the work that we accomplish with and through other people. Yeah. And so it's really needing that mental shift to understand what makes a great leader. Cause you know, again, you know it when you have a great leader and if you, if everybody out there right now thinks for a moment about somebody who is great as a coach, a leader, a mentor in their life, could be a parent, it could be a sports coach, it mm-hmm. could be an, a, a boss. What was it that got the most out of you? And when you start to list so those attributes, yeah. you're not going to find they were great at technical subject matter expertise. It's not yeah. on the list. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's an interesting topic. Uh, yeah. I get I think, into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hear it. I like it. So uh, I think we're running a bit out of time for this uh, webinar. I'm, I'm really happy that you joined us. So when, I'm sure that the, the listeners will want to know more and want to uh, give you more work. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how could they best find, more, find out more about you and, and engage with you? Connect I love hearing from <laughs> listeners. Um, the best place to start is my website, which is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. From there, you can find my blog. You can find my YouTube. I do little success shorty videos, you know, minute-long management minutes. Um, you can find my um, my gift pack, actually. I know you're going to have a bunch of links down there. Um, right. I give away chapters of the book. A video series, quizzes. Um, I have a quiz of what level connector are you? So <laughs> you can like find all of that. <laughs> I do a newsletter. You can find my LinkedIn and all those other social media. LinkedIn's my favorite, but you can yeah. connect to me on any of those social media platforms. Um, and I love hearing from you. And if you are interested in the connector's advantage, um, I have a, a US special, but I might figure out an international special as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where I sign it and I put the bookmark in and you can, you can send it as a gift. So you'll put all those links up and I look forward to hearing from you. Beautiful. Thanks again. Great having you. And thanks for sharing all your wisdom on connection, human connections and networking. Thanks for having me on.